Do you think work can change the world? Do you have a little rebel in you? If you said yes, this is your podcast. You don't have to settle for bad management, bad leadership, and bad workplaces. There are better ways. Let's find them together. I'm your host, Stosh D. Walsh, and this is Insubordinate. Better workplaces, better world. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, as always, for the honor of your attention. In my work as a coach and consultant, it continually surprises me how many leaders think and articulate that their authority to lead comes from someplace inside themselves, usually intuition or talent. But this is a myth. Leading from within is not the way to lead people. And today, we're going to explore that myth further. The world is full of proponents of this message. In particular, there's a thought leader named Lolly Daskal, who has become popular on Twitter and basically been featured everywhere because of this lead from within message. Some of it is good. On her website, you can find things that leaders who lead from within are compassionate. Leaders who lead from within truly listen. Leaders who lead from within acknowledge the truth and admit error. All of those things are very good. We obviously want to be compassionate toward others. We want to listen to others and we want to hear their concerns. We want to make sure that there's an opportunity for two-way communication. We want to acknowledge the truth and we want to admit when we're wrong, fix mistakes, create environments where other people do that also. But most of what you're going to find in this lead from within prescription is nonsense. So in addition to what you see about being compassionate and listening are things like leaders who lead from within are leaders who live a life of commitment and fulfillment of their heart's desires. Now, on initial examination, that might seem like fairly good advice, but as a leader, it's actually terrible because leadership is not about you. It's not about your heart's desires. It's not about your commitment and fulfillment to those desires. It's about other people and aligning those people to a future that's going to benefit all of you. So it's not just about you and where you come from and what you want. In fact, it often requires sacrifice of your heart's desires or at least postponement of your heart's desires in favor of what's going to be best for someone else. It also says things like leaders who listen to their inner self and follow their internal compass. Again, sounds like good advice on the surface, but usually not because again, it's not about you. It's not your inner self and your inner compass that's making all the decisions and making all the determinations. There is an element of your inner self and your inner compass that can be useful, but at the exclusion of other things, it's dangerous. And that's why leading from within is a myth because we want input from other people. We want to make sure that we're continuing to check in and achieve milestones toward that desired outcome that people have helped us to create and who give us feedback on this is a good direction and we can recalibrate. It's not just about, okay, my inner compass tells me everything I need to know. And as soon as I've got my inner self aligned, then I can just lead people indefinitely in the direction that I think is best. And I don't need to worry about where they're coming from or where we're going or what the feedback of that is. Another thing that 
lead from within espouses is this notion that leaders who lead from within trust and engage in their greatness. Now, I'm never going to be a person who says you shouldn't know and act from the place where you can be great. I am the most wedded to the idea that you should build on your strengths as anyone you're ever going to meet. Having said that, it's not just about your greatness. It's not just about my greatness. Those things are important, but unless they're tempered by the input of other people, diverse perspectives, consideration of multiple factors, then that's never going to result in the kinds of outcomes that we would want in an ideal world. So this idea that we just trust and engage in our greatness and we can just determine what the future looks like or the direction that we could take, and then it's all about us and we can just lead from within is nonsense. One more point to bring up. Lead from within also teaches that leaders who explore and acknowledge their passion and purpose are good leaders. Once more, nonsense. Your passion and your purpose are not unimportant, but they're not the critical elements of what you're going to be doing or how you're going to be leading. You for sure are going to lead based on who you are, but your passion and your purpose if they're not formed in concert with other people, if they're not shaped by feedback from a community, if they're determined just based on your own intuition or what you feel like is that sort of spark inside you or that gut feeling that you have, which is what lead from within is basically telling people to pursue and discover and, and then therefore act upon, is not good advice. Because if you don't get that kind of feedback, if it's not shaped, then you run the risk of just operating in an ego-oriented space. And I'll talk more about that in a minute, but this idea that it's okay for us to just discover our passion, discover our purpose. In some of the circles in which I move, some faith-based circles, we use the word calling a lot. Calling is a dangerous word. I hear people saying things like they would hire someone based on their sense of calling. I think that's a terrible idea. We don't want to just evaluate someone's capacity for a job or the level of commitment or whether or not they're going to be a good leader based on words like calling or passion or purpose. Those things are all important, but none of those things happen in a vacuum. And so if someone starts talking about their passion or their purpose or their calling and they espouse or they aspire toward a leadership position, the very first thing we should be asking them is something about how did this passion or purpose or calling come about? Who helped you discern it? What community were you part of? What small group or what mentors or what experiences that included feedback from others enabled you to determine what that is? How has that evolved or shaped or changed over time? Because if people don't have good answers to those questions, then they're operating from a space that says, I determined my passion. I determined my purpose. I determined my calling. I'm leading from within. I'm being true to my authentic self, which again, isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world in terms of making sure that who you are and who you've discerned yourself to be is in line with how you show up in the world. Yeah, that's important. 
but don't try to lead somebody else from that space without their feedback. That makes no sense at all. That just puts you into the position of basically being a cult leader and you're trying to get people to agree with you or come along with you or whatever based only on what you think or only on the things that you feel like you've discovered with no outside influence. That's dangerous. I'll underline the point by saying this. If you go to any of these lead from within kinds of things, Lolly Daskal, again, is probably the best example of this. So she's the biggest proponent of it that I've discovered. But if you look at the list of things that she says leaders who lead from within do or are, there's a huge gap because what's missing from the list and what's missing from what she says is words like future, vision, followers, outcomes, common good. Things that are absolutely essential to leadership are nowhere to be found because the prescription is as long as I discover and align with what I know to be true in my own paradigm, in my own world, then I'm fit to go out and lead. The idea that that is something a leader should espouse or follow through on is an absolute myth. It's absolute nonsense. And worse yet, it results in terrible outcomes because it's not shaped or formed by the future, by outcomes, by input from would-be followers, by sacrificing on their behalf, by pursuing the common good. It's just the internal compass. It's just making sure that we do that. And it has to be, it has to align in the sense that if we don't align the deepest parts of who we are, if we haven't done the work of self-awareness, if we haven't done the work of reflection, again, in concert with others, then chances are good that we're going to fall at some point as leaders also, but for different reasons. But you can get a lot farther down the road of leadership focusing on other people before you run into trouble than you can getting down that same road focusing mostly on yourself. I want to pause here and talk a little bit more about that idea of intuition and talent because they're clearly important, but you can have both and still not be a good leader. The reason why is because those things have to be aimed at something. Many of you who listen or who followed the work that constant organizational development has done or some talk that I've done online or anything like that know that I've come from a background that includes Gallup. And Gallup's Strengths Finder instrument has been massively influential in my life. So again, I espouse the notion that talent is critically important to just about anything that you want to accomplish at a level of excellence, including leadership. Having said that, unless I'm aiming that talent, unless I'm thinking very specifically about how my talent can influence other people or how my talent can bring about a common good or a positive outcome, if I'm not thinking about how I build relationships with people, if I'm not thinking about the ways in which I think best or the environments that can be most conducive to not only my success as a leader, but other people's success also, then I'm not wielding my talent well. And one of the things I say all the time is if you don't wield your strengths, if you don't wield your talent, then it will wield you. Which means if I happen to be a person who's wired in a way to be directive or forceful, which I am, then people are going to perceive that in a negative way because it's wielding me. 
So if I don't shape that, if I don't think about what does that look like when it's expressed, how can that be at its very best? How can I use that on behalf of someone else? It's not just about me. It's not just about actualizing my strengths or getting more comfortable with them or feeling good about it or accepting it or anything like that because leading from within is a myth. It's about saying, these are the things that I know I have. This is the raw material that I'm building with. How do I take that raw material and put myself in situations where I can be maximally successful? And, and if that situation is a leadership situation, then how am I taking into consideration as many of the inputs as I possibly can about the future, about other people, about their needs, about the anticipated future, not necessarily just the desired future, about what could go wrong, all of the different inputs, all of the different variables. It doesn't start and end with me. It includes me. It includes my gifts. It includes the things that I know to be true about myself and the work that I've done to become a more self-actualized person. It includes the work that I've done to become more aware and the input that I've received from others that have shaped me over time. But it's not just about me leading from within and taking what I know about myself and then putting that out into the world and expecting some kind of good thing to happen without any kind of consideration, again, of words like future, followers, outcome, common good. So what or who grants a leader the right to lead? I say it's both followers and the future. Once upon a time in my career, I would have said that it's followers. But I think the notion of followership has changed, especially because of social media and because we count followers now. And the idea that you can have followers and not be a leader is now possible, where in the past it probably wasn't. So this idea that we have to have both followers and then have a future that we're trying to go to this future together, we're trying to create this future together, that's what makes you a leader. And it has to be a future that represents a good outcome for people. There's lots of leaders out there who are trying to do things that are going to result in an ideal future for themselves or for a small number of people or for people who are in their group or their company or their country, but no one else's. Well, that's leadership of a sort, but it's not ideal leadership. It's not the best possible leadership. And so I would argue that those people are functioning in a limited capacity or producing a limited outcome because they're not considering a much broader perspective when they apply their leadership and because their leadership comes from within as opposed to considering all of the variables from without. How many times have you seen individuals who have to resort to punishment and reward to marshal others toward a desired goal? This, if you've seen that, and most of you probably have, that's part of the reason. When our kids or children in general say, well, I'm not going to do that, or they question a directive that we've given them or whatever, what we default to if we don't have a great reason for what we're doing or if we haven't thought it through is we say, well, I'm your fill in the blank. I'm your mother, your father, your teacher, your boss, your whatever. And we go back to the core position of authority as the justification for what we're doing. That is more about us than it is about them. So this is, again, it's leading from within thing is I'm enough 
the position that I have is enough, which is a myth. We need to be inspiring them to make good decisions because they want to make good decisions. We want to be inspiring them toward thinking about a future and then backing into what do I need to do right now so that future becomes more likely. That is more leadership than just telling them, do it because I said so, do it because of the position that I have. Those are transactional ideas, not transformative ideas. And if leaders rely on those transactional ideas, then they can control people's actions, but not influence their minds and their hearts. That kind of control, that kind of influence will help people accomplish tasks and it might accomplish tasks at a very high level because fear is a strong motivator, but it's not going to achieve vision. It's not going to achieve the future. It's not going to achieve a common good and leadership, great leadership requires those things. It's follower and future centric. It leverages the best parts of the leader, the parts that are within toward a future for others benefit. So what are some of the other drawbacks that exist with this idea that we can lead from within? Part of it is that if we trust ourselves and our own intuition or our own talent to a great enough degree, that increases the possibility that we will isolate ourselves from the inputs of others. Leaders who believe the myth that you lead from within also run the risk of damaging their reputation in the eyes of others. Because if a leader continually relies on their gut or their experience or their talent, that leader could alienate others or create the perception that she's driven by ego or create an environment in which associates feel undervalued. Maybe even worse, individuals might think that they have to accommodate the leader's style before they can get anything done in the group or in the organization because it's leader-centric. It comes from within the leader and everything revolves around that leader and their style and what they want. There's a great example of this in the current news cycle. Elon Musk has just taken over Twitter and now all of the things that he's done or decided to do are starting to become public. So Elon Musk bought Twitter. He, in essence, eliminated half its workforce. He had to back off on a more aggressive plan because he would have run afoul of regulations. And he was actually prepared initially to ignore those regulations and pay the fines or show up in court or whatever else. And more or less acting like, well, I have enough money that the fines don't matter to me and my legal team can handle it. I'm just going to do what I want with the company that I just bought. Again, leading from within. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about what I think is best. But he's created an environment where reports are starting to come out. People are sleeping at work because of the demands on deadlines or time or change that he's initiated. He's given people a deadline to decide if they're staying or going from the company, deadlines to accomplish certain tasks and having the consequence of that completion being you're fired if it's not done by such and such a time. And these are obviously aggressive timelines. He's fired people who criticized management, albeit on a Slack channel. I don't know if it was an official Slack channel of the company or not, but he's basically just fired those people. No conversations, no questions, no asking for their input, no interacting with them. When he arrived the first day after he'd bought Twitter, he was carrying a sink and then tweeted, let that sink in. So he's really just about entertaining himself. He's just treating an entire company and people's lives 
as his plaything and playing puppeteer or playing king, really, in a lot of ways. And all of this has led the New York Times in a recent article to say that he barreled in with ideas about how the social media service should operate, but had no comprehensive plan to execute them. This is what leading from within does at its worst. And again, there are things about leading from within that are very important. We want to listen. We want to be authentic. Those are good things. I'm not saying you throw the entire thing out, but at its worst and in its most common forms, even in the average forms, if you want to call it that, leading from within is dangerous because it creates an environment in which leaders get to do what they want and they don't have checks and balances. And it creates an environment where the consideration is more about the leader and about the direction the leader wants and about what's going to benefit the leader or the people that the leader wants to represent rather than a broader swath of people. And it happens because they make decisions in a vacuum without feedback from others. They decide arbitrarily on deadlines. They decide arbitrarily about the workforce or whatever it is that represents the makeup of the particular group that they happen to be leading. Those are decisions that can be extremely disruptive for a large number of people. And we want to be the exact opposite of that. We want people to be thinking that they're moving towards something holistic, towards something good, towards something that's going to be edifying and meaningful and worthwhile for them. And by all accounts, what's going on at Twitter right now is this earthquake of fear and pressure and stress and people exchanging contact information with one another through tears because they've worked together and now they're no longer going to be working together. And this large flood of talented individuals that other companies are coming in and swooping into trying to recruit that talent, which for them is turns out to be a good outcome because it means that they won't go very long without having a job, thankfully. But that idea that all of this is happening because one person who is mostly about himself and about the future that he wants to create, notwithstanding how that future is going to affect other people or what their role in that future is going to be, has come in and just unilaterally decided that this is what's going to happen is part of, if not all of, the reason why these things have happened, why these things have transpired. That's bad leadership. It's bad management too, because it's not trying to create an environment in which people can be engaged. It's just telling them, do it by this deadline, otherwise you're fired. That's a terrible way to manage people. So he's a bad manager and a bad leader. And I've said in the past, he's a visionary individual. And so he has significant talent. He's a person who can see things that other people don't see. He has ideas that other people don't have. But how does he go about operationalizing those? How do other people get involved in that? How are other people's best parts of themselves being solicited or inspired to contribute to that better future so that more people can benefit from whatever it is they create together? That's not happening. That's not happening in a lot of the ways that he's quote unquote leading. And that's one of the reasons why I would argue at this point, he's not a leader. In fact, he's a bad leader. So once again, intuition, experience, talent, the things that lie within are of great importance, but they do not grant a leader authority in the lives of others or create desirable futures in the absence of others and their input. Leadership isn't about the leader. It's about followers and the destination toward which they are partnering. Insubordinate episodes release weekly on Tuesday mornings. 
If you found this episode helpful, please consider rating or writing a review for the podcast or sharing it with a friend. As always, resources to help you are listed in the program notes. Until next time, stay with the program.